And welcome to another edition of Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information, insight, and experiences for people who are planning for, about to, or already have retired. I'm John McComb, recently retired after a 50-year broadcast career, the past 36 years at CKNW Radio in Vancouver. I'm sitting down with my co-host, Lori Pinkowski every other Friday to help answer the many questions that come up as you prepare to relax and devote some time to you and your new life. Lori is the founder of Pinkowski Wealth Management and is a Senior Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. Thank you for joining us here on Ready, Set, Retire. John McComb and Lori Pinkowski with you. On today's episode, we're going to talk everything real estate and how it affects your retirement, how it affects plans going forward, because, of course, for a lot of people, the, what they own in property is a big part of their uh, retirement planning going forward. Lori, great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, John. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Real estate always a big topic around here and continues to be. You've been getting a lot of questions from people, from your clients, about how real estate fits into the portfolio, what it does for them going forward. We're going to talk all about that today. Yeah, exactly. So every time we're creating a financial plan for a client, we're looking at their overall net worth and looking at cash flow. And what we need to take into account is how much they own in real estate, whether it's primary residence, whether it's rental properties where they're getting rental income, whether they're looking at downsizing. So there's a lot of different questions we're getting on real estate. And it's just been such a hot topic here, as you've said, in the past few months. Even as we're in lockdown here, the real estate market is still so hot. And of course, Ottawa is looking at different angles and the worry is, is how are they going to cool the real estate market here in Canada? So we've also been getting a lot of questions on that. So we thought we would discuss the various topics, such as, again, downsizing your home and when doing so, moving to another city. We've had a lot of clients moving even to the Okanagan or Powell River and other areas in BC, looking at what you can afford in some of those areas. Is, is better than what you can afford here. Real estate and rental income as part of your retirement. Also helping your children or grandchildren break into the real estate market. We get a lot of those questions as well because it just seems unreachable for yes. many at these price levels. Absolutely. Let's talk about the overall downsizing part because downsizing inevitably means change and people are maybe even moving out of town. Some people are moving to completely different countries for their retirement. So what are some of the things that uh, one has to keep in mind? Yeah, definitely. In the good old days, people used to want to move to other countries. <laughs> of course, uh, those dreams have been cut short, but uh, again, things will reopen. But again, looking at downsizing, I would say that almost all clients eventually downsize just for mobility issues, stairs, gardening, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people choose to downsize earlier on in their retirement for a few reasons. One is, is that they're going to free up a bunch of cash to put towards a, maybe a more fun retirement or to perhaps buying a cottage on a lake somewhere and just having a smaller primary residence here in the city. Of course, downsizing can make sense even more so nowadays just because the price of homes have come up more than the price of condos in the last six to what 12 months now. 
And so when looking at that, it might be an ideal time. So if you were thinking of downsizing, it, you know, again, I'm not a real estate agent, but I do follow the real estate market very closely. It may be a good time if you're thinking about downsizing, as we all know right now, is it's a seller's market and uh, you're able to have possibly multiple offers on your property where looking back uh, just over a year ago, that wouldn't have happened. So you want to take it into account as to why you're downsizing. But again, some of those reasons, boosting your retirement so you have a bigger portfolio to draw from. Buying a vacation home abroad is another one. Increasing your cash flow, buying a home for your children. I mean, you'd have to be a very nice parent to uh, to buy it out, right? But, <laughs> but again, these are some of the ideas that are out there. Funding uh, grandchildren's education costs is another thing. If you free up some cash, you might be able to participate in. And you just generally have more time to do what you love. You know, instead of spending time maintaining a three or 4,000 square foot home, you now may have a 1,500 square foot condo. A lot of people wonder if they can survive with their spouse <laughs> in retirement <laughs> in that small of a space. Yes. But uh, I would say the majority can. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of happy clients living in smaller homes. Yes, I think if uh, if it really, if it comes down to uh, the square footage, then there were probably deeper issues uh, in the marriage going back a while anyway. So <laughs> That's true. You know, the downsizing thing can be real stressful for people. So what do you suggest in terms of making it uh, less so? You want to talk to your financial advisor, first and foremost, that you have these ideas and what you're thinking of. And that's where we update financial plans to make sure, you know, that this dream that they have is going to make sense for their retirement. And so that's where you want to start. But again, when you look at just the logistics, you want to start early in terms of when you are downsizing, you have to remember you're going to be getting rid of a lot of stuff and that can be very difficult. I mean, I think about my own parents. I mean, they lived in that home for 40 years. I mean, when they downsize or, you know, are, are they going to be giving it all to me? I'm not sure. Um, and do I want it all? That's the and other do you question. want it all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, you can consider early legacy gifts. I've seen that, uh, you know, when people are gifting certain pieces, uh, whether it's furniture, jewelry, clothing, whatever, that maybe your loved ones had their eye on. You just, uh, you know, choose to do it now rather than later. And then again, you want to eliminate things that you won't need in your new home. And what the professionals say is you start with areas that don't matter, like your linen closet and your laundry room and start there chucking things away. It can be difficult for people for sure. You know, you're emotionally attached to your home. I would say that out of all the clients I've seen downsize, which is many, there's only been one or two that have had more difficult of a time downsizing just because they enjoyed fiddling around at their, their home or in their garden and that changes. And uh, as we know, my dad is an avid gardener and loves his palm tree. So I think I'll have to take him out of there kicking and screaming when he's 99 or something, you know. But yeah, so everybody's different. A lot of people want quality of retirement. They want to be able to lock their door and go on vacation when things open up and you have less to maintain when you're living in a condo or a townhouse or something like that. So again, you want to weigh the pros and cons. And you can actually make some, you know, fairly decent money if you decide to sell uh, your stuff yourself, either, you know, garage sales or Craigslist. I mean, there are any number of places to, to be able to do that now. So if you have pieces of furniture that nobody in the family wants, that sort of thing, you know, it's certainly worth a try. Exactly. Or even donating some of that. There's obviously a lot of families in need. And so there's always a place for your stuff and there's people who are going to value it and use it as you move on to that next chapter of retirement. And and again, just remember when you sell your home to downsize, and even though you're, you may be buying a 
newer, smaller condo or townhouse, you're, you usually are freeing up a few hundred thousand dollars at least, what I've seen in, when dealing with clients. So that few hundred thousand or more can really benefit your retirement and it will allow you to enjoy things that possibly you wouldn't be able to if you were living in this more expensive, larger home. So downsizing does uh, make sense for a lot of people. So again, talk to a financial advisor to see if it makes sense for you. Now, we mentioned off the top about how many people uh, these days, especially in uh, greater Vancouver, are helping their kids get into a home, whether it's, I think in most cases, it's helping them with the down payment. But what are some of the ways that people can help their kids uh, get into a house because it's so difficult these days? It's true. I mean, there's a few different ways, but, um, you know, making a cash gift is one of them, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, you know, we're going to allocate a certain amount of our portfolio you fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. I've even seen almost like early inheritance, right? Going here, you take it now. We want to get you out of the rental market and into the real estate market. Right. Again, you just want to be careful with that too. Just when the markets are this hot, you know, in terms of you know multiple offers. I mean, we've heard of twenty different offers on a seven hundred thousand dollar property. I mean, this is a little too hot. So again, you want to pick your times, but make sure that whatever amount you decide to gift doesn't affect your own retirement. You don't want to be handing out too much money to the kids too early on where your retirement suffers. So again, just something to think about. Loaning money is a good one. Uh, We see a lot of parents do that just so that they're not just giving cash away. They're receiving some interest even. And also it's important that if you are loaning money or giving money to an adult child and they're in a relationship, right? They're living with somebody or they're going to be buying a property jointly with a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, or husband or wife, that you would just want to make sure that it's set up properly. So that if there is a divorce or death, what happens to that part of that money? So again, these are things that you don't necessarily want to think about as a family unit. You want to think it's all rainbows and butterflies, but as we know, it's it's not always. Again, make sure that you talk to a lawyer, make sure that you have that loan set up properly. You could also co-sign a loan, John. This isn't always ideal. What happens if your child misses payments and so on also may affect what you are able to buy for real estate. So just think about if you want to go buy a cottage now, you might not qualify because you have to service all the debt that you have. And when you're co-signing, it's it's almost like it's yours too, right? So again, you got to be careful with that as well. And the last one I'd say is buying a property and renting it back to them. We do see that, but less often, I would say. Most parents don't want to buy the entire property. They just want to help their children, even grandchildren, get into the real estate market. Uh, I wonder if that would create some sort of tension if the parents bought the place and then rented it back to the kids. I don't know whether the kids would... When do we get to own it ourselves sort of thing, you know? Yeah, and are are my parents going to increase the rent on me? Actually, that did happen to a friend of mine. No kidding. Um, yeah, so so it's hard to be a landlord and a parent probably at the same time. Oh, so that's probably not something I would uh, recommend. But, uh, but definitely if you have more money to spare than you're going to need in your lifetime, helping children out with real estate does make sense in my opinion. But again, you need to look at your overall situation and always make sure you have enough cash for yourself. Yeah as well. Yes, indeed. Oh, dad's jacked up the rent again. God. <laughs> yeah, that, that may, uh, that may hurt the relationship slightly when you're, you know, when you're having <laughs> yeah. dinner together. Uh, yes. Sunday dinner could be kind of tense, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about real estate as an investment when you're retired, because a lot of people are in the market already. They own property and Lord knows the last <laughs> 
the last several years around here, it's a, almost a sure thing to buy property. But talk about that a bit. So, you know, many clients own real estate and, and use rental income as part of their overall cash flow planning. And we've seen too many investors becoming really real estate heavy in their net worth. And sometimes that's due to price appreciation, others because they feel more comfortable with an asset they can see and smell and touch and drive past versus, you know, buying individual stocks or, or other types of investments. So that's where I see a lot of Vancouverites there and we're doing their financial plans. When you look at a graph of their net worth, real estate is 50, 60% even more in some cases of their overall net worth. There are pros and cons to that. I mean, it might be that you've made so much money in real estate. That's why it's such a big part of your net worth. But again, when you're looking at owning real estate in retirement, you want to consider again, the ongoing costs and maintenance and strata fees, commissions to realtors. Uh, you got to look at rental income. You know, it's taxed at the highest rate and is it that tax efficient? And being a landlord can be a lot of work. You know, we've seen clients generally liquidate a lot of their real estate holdings as they age because you don't want to own a bunch of rental properties in your 80s. It becomes just too hard to deal with. And again, there's periods where there's a lack of liquidity, where it's it's difficult to sell your properties depending on where they are. Of course, today you can sell anything you almost want. So maybe take advantage of that might be an idea, especially going forward if Ottawa decides to cool the real estate market. So we saw the provincial government here in BC step into the market a couple of years ago, several years ago now, I guess 2017, with uh, various uh, homeowners taxes and empty homes tax, vacancy taxes, speculation tax. What's the federal government uh, thinking about? Because, of course, they're also looking at uh, trying to increase their revenues. Well, exactly, especially when so much money has gone out in forms of stimulus during the pandemic. You know, everyone keeps asking, well, how is this going to be paid for? Well, the usual answer is by, by increasing taxes. Yeah. The thought is, is that they're looking at uh, how hot the Canadian real estate market is and, you know, what are they going to do about it? And I think that when you're looking at your own real estate holdings, some clients have been looking at even triggering some of their capital gains early because they're so fearful of what the government's about to do. Um, you know, usually when they make a change, they don't give you a few months to make changes to your own portfolio or real estate or whatever. They're going to do it overnight. But again, this is all speculation at this point. So again, you you want to see how things unfold. We're hopefully getting a budget at some point in the future where we haven't had one for a long time. So hopefully there's some accountability there on how they're going to be spending any increase in taxes. So if we look at some of the ways that are going to be thrown around uh, in terms of tax and real estate, tweaking capital gains tax. So either by including your primary residence, which Again, discussing it with a lot of professionals in the industry, many of us don't believe that is going to happen. I mean, that would affect the voting population substantially. So again, that's not something we see in the future, but it has been thrown around out there. Another one that's more probable is uh, increasing the amount included in capital gains. So bringing it back to 75%. So as we all know, only 50% is included in terms of capital gains. So, you know, you buy a rental property for 500000 you sell it for 700000 you have 200000 in gains, uh, and only half of that has to be included in income. So if they increase that to a higher amount, of course, that means more tax that you're going to have to pay on your investments, whether it be real estate or and possibly your stock portfolio. And this one makes a little bit more sense. They could introduce an, an increase in short-term sales 
in terms of the tax that you pay on properties. So again, deterring investors from flipping properties because you don't want to deter people from owning real estate. I mean, that's not really a good long-term goal. I mean, if you look at vacancy rates on rentals, I mean, there's just as enough properties to go around. So, so you do want people to invest in their future, I would say. But investors, whether it be foreign or domestic investors, uh, a lot of people are taking advantage of this real estate market. And I think that's who's really making uh, the short-term cash right now in terms of real estate. What about the issue of tightening uh, mortgage regulation and mortgage rules in terms of what you need for a down payment and how much CMHC will cover and all of those kinds of things, amortization length, all of that has been looked at and dealt with. So what's left for the government to get its fingers into? That's the path of legal resistance. And you're right, they've done this many times over the last few years trying to slow things down. And you look at the stress test even, that's only needed at federal banks and not provincial lenders such as credit unions. So again, maybe expanding that. But you don't really want them making it harder for first-time buyers to buy a home that they can usually afford, but they should be making it harder for investors to capitalize on short-term buying and selling of properties if that's what they're seeing, if that's where they're seeing the problem. Because again, real estate prices, I think nationwide, are up about 10% in the last 12 months. It is such an attractive place to put your money, especially you know on the West Coast, just because of recent history. But we keep hearing... Is there going to be a correction? Are prices going to come down? Are people going to be left in the lurch because they're overextended in terms of of real estate? Do you see any of that happening? We get that question quite a bit, and we've talked about it quite a few times, John, is that debt levels in Canada are super high. Yeah. We're talking at, I mean, last I looked, 178% or $1.78 for every dollar of disposable income. Before the financial crisis, it was, I think, $1.35 or something like that in the U.S. So what could hurt the real estate market? Well, political intervention, right? So you and I have no idea what their plans are, and we won't know until it's announced. The second one is increasing interest rates. And that is what has taken down the real estate market a few times uh, or created softness. Because rates have been so low due to the pandemic, naturally, they will go up at one point. And how far and how fast that happens is what's going to determine how the real estate market is affected. So will it be a soft landing or would it be something harder? And so that's something that you know you have to keep in mind. Real estate doesn't just go up. Although here in Vancouver, it appears it almost does. But you go back to the 80s, right, where you had hyperinflation. And I mean, that's when my mother first became a real estate agent was 1982. And just talking about that period, I mean, that was not uh, an easy time. People were walking away from their homes. And, you know, people talk about how high mortgage rates were. They were, what, 20, 21%. And inflation was extremely high at that point as well. So remember, even though mortgage rates are 2% right now, if they go to 4%, which historically is, is still normal, that could hurt a lot of investors or a lot of real estate owners when they go to renew their mortgages. So I think you have to be careful. I think that uh, you still always want to buy as much house that you can afford and really look stress test your own finances, right? Look at what you could afford if rates were 4% instead of 2%. And, you know, you're just going to remain in a safer place that way. And again, how much you put down, John, is another one. Or how much you're helping your children put down in terms of, of real estate. You know, you can take a look 
look at putting down a little more if, if you get worried if rates are going higher. At this point, I wouldn't suggest that because rates are low. But again, that will change in the future at some point. What are the odds you think of a, any kind of a national speculation tax like uh, we have here in B.C.? Are the feds uh, interested in something like I suppose they're interested in anything that'll bring in more money. <laughs> It seems that they always are, aren't they? They're always trying to get their paws on some more. In terms of speculation tax, uh, of course, we've seen that here in BC. But if they made that nationwide, you know, the call is for that. It's not just for foreigners, but for domestic investors as well. And that could definitely cool off the market. And and so the, the problem with cooling off the market sometimes, it also affects retirees, right? Because a lot of people are using their home for that idea of downsizing so that they can retire with a, a larger portfolio. So again, and take advantage of these times that we're seeing today when the real estate market is good uh, for sellers. And if you are thinking of downsizing in the next year to three years, you might want to just move that up a little. No one has a crystal ball and knows exactly where real estate is going. But again, overall, you just want to make sure that when you're looking at your retirement portfolio, that you have a proper plan in place and you have enough that is liquid in case you want to get at it. And again, it can be in terms of owning real estate as an investment. So you have rental properties. Remember, it can be much more tax efficient owning stocks that pay dividends. Again, having capital gains is, is better than rental income. So these are questions that we get often and uh, and we love answering them because, again, I think it makes sense to own all asset classes. You want to own some real estate. You want to own stocks. You want to own bonds, maybe even a few GICs if you have to. So just don't put all your eggs in one asset class basket. Excellent advice, as we have come to expect from Lori Pinkowski. Now, do you have a quote you can leave us with this week? Yeah, downsizing doesn't always mean one is moving. Downsizing can mean one is making room for the most important things in their life. That, that leaves us on a nice upbeat note, I think. Exactly, exactly. Decluttering doesn't have to mean just in your home. <laughs> it can mean decluttering your life as well. Simplicity is key, you know? Yeah, and for a lot of people, I think a big relief just to get some of that stuff out of their lives, especially, you know, people who have big houses. And as things open up and, you know, we're able to roam freely around the world again, people are going to want to start traveling again and experiencing the world. So maybe it's time to look at that downsizing and decluttering life and your basement at the same time. And your basement. Great stuff. We'll uh, catch up with you again in a couple of weeks' time. Perfect, John. It's been fun. You have a great couple of weeks and we will talk again. Thanks, Lori. If you want more information or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Ready, Set, Retire.